You're listening to On The Road, a podcast powered by Otto Car. So welcome to On The Road. Uh, this is a podcast for and about the private hire industry. Uh, I'm Richard. And my name's Ish. And we are actually taking things a little bit differently today. A little twist to the tale. We Ooh. have Alberto Garnier here, who is the co-founder of Otto Scooter. Hi, Alberto. Hello. How are you doing? Um, basically, we know very much that the private hire industry has blossomed uh, greatly over the last couple of years here in London, and but so has the food courier business industry. Uh, obviously, that entails a few other spaces as well. So we're really keen and interested to know exactly what's been going on in this space. Uh, there's a lot of eyeballs on it, especially with Uber Eats and uh, Just Eat and Deliveroo entering the market in the last three or four years. So it's a chance for us to have a discussion about what's been going on there, what the private hire industry could possibly learn from this. Um, is there a bit of a crossover? We think there is. Um, so yeah, let's just get straight down to business uh, and ish. Yeah. Take it away. I mean, it's yeah, super interesting this one this week because um, obviously, like you guys are auto scooter. We um, actually work quite near each other um, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Same floor as well. Same <laughs> floor, same yeah. air conditioning. Um, what, what air conditioning? <laughs> it's bloody boiling in there. And they have a coffee machine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I feel like um, at the same time, there's so much about this industry that we kind of don't know because you guys obviously run your own thing. You have your own operation. Um, I suppose like the first thing I'm just curious to know is kind of like how, how has your journey been so far in... Uh, London. Sure, 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 sure. So yeah, we we started this new venture uh, fairly recently, and it, we pitched it to to Gurinder. Uh, when I finished the studying in uh, here in the UK, I decided to try uh, my my luck and be a, an an Uber Eats driver, and I went through the whole process of onboarding um, and becoming an Uber Eats driver and it was quite difficult to mm. from the beginning uh, you need to figure out what documents you need to onboard then what vehicle the cho- the vehicle that you choose has to be perfect for food delivery and i wanted it to be electric and we we sort of did this idea pitched it to gurinder and he said why don't we start auto scooter together mm. and that's a little bit on, on, on how we started. Grinder obviously is the director and owner and founder of Otto Car, just mm-hmm. for those who might not be aware. Can I ask, was there something um, specifically about Uber Eats that attracted to you or was it just a... To be honest, I, I was, uh, I tried to be a driver for all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did Stuart, Deliveroo, Uber Eats and Uber Eats was the only one that was hiring at that point. Uh, when you do the onboarding, there's only certain schedules that they're available so that you can go and check all of the, your documents. And Uber Eats was the one that had availability, so I went. Right. And talking of going there and doing it, because obviously um, Otto Car have a kind of a education zone at the All Gate and Royal Dock Hubs um, for Uber. And we found that you know, there's like two separate queues, isn't there? There's one for Uber Eats, there's one for the Uber kind of partners for the private exactly. hire industry. So this is where this whole kind of conversation is coming from. There's obviously a clear crossover, whether it's because of demographics, or ethnicity, or where they live and work in London, or the type of work that they do. Uh, I personally think there's probably a bit of an age gap. Maybe the private hire drivers are a little bit older, maybe the 30 to 50 is what we found, whilst maybe uh, courier delivery drivers are maybe in the 20s to 30s, maybe a bit, a bit younger, maybe some more university students, that kind of thing. But there's definitely a crossover there. And when we uh, put out a post a few weeks ago about Otto Scooter and introducing Otto Scooter to the Otto family, uh, there was a huge amount of engagement on that. So clearly drivers in private hire are interested in what's going on. Uh, maybe it's because they've got a cousin or a friend or a brother who, who does it on the side, or as we've found out, there's some drivers that do both. There's, there's drivers that do Otto Scooter and Otto Car at the same time, you know, taking a, a scooter and a, and a car from us. Uh, and some have switched over on either mm. side or doing a bit together. So it's, mm. uh, it's an interesting space, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's what this conversation is yeah. really all about, finding out. I think I, I read somewhere that the majority of drivers, or maybe not the majority, but a large proportion of drivers are running two jobs at, at the same time mm. um, alongside these. Is that something that you found as well? Yeah, definitely. And the, there's a couple of, of, of different profiles of, of, for example, our customers in which you could either be a student that is doing delivery jobs on the side. You might have a couple of jobs. As you said, some people are also 
PCO drivers and then they do food delivery. Um, but also there's a lot of people that are switching in between the platforms and do this uh, food delivery full time. And we're really impressed as well with the amount of kilometers uh, mm. that these guys and girls do because um, in a single day they might be working 10 hours, 11 hours and, and doing uh, above 120 kilometers mm-hmm. with these electric mopeds. So and how does that kind of equate to money? Like, um, yeah. what so that's, what, what, that's what it comes down to, isn't it? I yeah. Mean, for a lot of these guys, you know. Yeah. So it's... It's interesting, so we have several different packages. Um, Let's say the most common package is for people that are driving a lot. And what we do is we charge 99 per week, including extra batteries, extra chargers. And what this allows them to do is to take the extra batteries at at an office or uh, their home, leave them charging, use a moped for 60, 70, 80 kilometers, come back to their base, mm. swap batteries, kind of like a Formula One team very quickly, <laughs> and then keep on going. And by doing this, they're saving lots of money because some of the riders were telling me that with a petrol moped, they would be spending about 10 to 15 pounds per day, which really adds up. Yeah, definitely. Mm. What about the actual kind of costs, or actual earning potential of, the, of these uh, yeah. Drivers. So it varies a lot, I think, uh, between platforms, uh, seasons, etc. Mm. Um, but what we are seeing is that during the peaks of weekends, you're able to make uh, average 100, 130 uh, on a Saturday or a Sunday. And the other days, it must be about, it depends a lot, yeah. but uh, it's uh, probably about 80. Is this kind of short shifts, like six hours? We're talking ten hours. So yeah, you have you have so it's it's all during meal times. So Mm. you have a peak, a small peak uh, at lunchtime, but the big peak is at nighttime, and during mornings and in in the afternoon in between, it really dies off. So it's Uh, a bit bit similar, I guess, to private hire then, in the sense that Friday nights, Saturday nights, and maybe even Thursday nights possibly are pretty peak times for drivers to go out and make some money and and pick up, you know, take two and pick up passengers from from going out for, you know... I actually think it might be a bit opposite because, for example, also Monday nights is a very big one for delivery couriers. Interesting. Mm -hmm. How comes? Uh, And Sunday nights. People are just too lazy to cook on their first day back from work. Exactly. (laughs) I don't know, but you you get... some some odd peaks probably when people are not traveling or going out mm-hmm. and they're just staying at home and ordering some food. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Sunday night is is the biggest. Mm. Is the biggest. So not Friday and Saturday then. No. No. It, mm. Interesting. interesting. I, I always I always had it down as you know Friday and Saturday night people especially Saturday night because you yeah. know you get a takeaway on Saturday night. It's a very English stereotype yeah. thing yeah. to do. Watch uh, X Factor. Get the Chinese in, <laughs> which is what I did anyway. Maybe it's just me. Um, but yeah, it's um, interesting to see that. So, so obviously that's, you kind of outlined as well what kind of the costs would be associated with coming to your service. But in general, for, for an average driver, what are the different kind of elements that they have to think about in terms of things they have to get, getting set up, um, and the costs associated with that? Is, is it just as, as simple as get a, get a bike, um, get an electric moped, and just hit the road and, and sign up to the app? Or um, is there something more complicated? So yeah, first of all, um, you need to you need to think very well on on the moped that you're gonna get. With the new ULES uh, regulations, your moped cannot be too old. Um, I think it's 2006 or older that you start paying congestion charge. So if it's you need to find a relatively newer bike, make sure that the mileage is not crazy because if not, you're gonna end up spending a lot of money in uh, maintenance but basically you have to pay up front your motorcycle um, you need to pay for the petrol and something as well that you need to keep in mind is the insurance so the higher and reward insurance for food delivery is very expensive average is about 1500 mm, there's wow. only a handful of providers that give it um, there's MCE Lexam and Zigo is one uh, an insurance startup that is providing food delivery insurance on a per mile uh, yeah, nice. per sponsor, hour they sponsor basis. They sponsor IAX, don't they? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Uh, 
Could be wrong. Could be wrong. No, no. <laughs> is there CBT, CBT as well, or is there some kind of extra license for these guys? Correct. Yeah. So you need to you need to figure out if you need a, this special license. So you can become a courier uh, if you have a permit and a CBT, which is a compulsory basic training course. Mm-hmm. And this course costs about one hundred pounds as well. And you need to go to an authorized center by DVSA, do this course. It's actually really easy. It takes half a day. And there's no pass or fail. So you just have to attend it. Oh, and really? At the end, they <laughs> just give you a fail. That's exactly. my favorite kind of test. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but so why do they do it if there's no pass or fail? No, I mean, they teach you the basics on, on how to manage a motorcycle, uh, the, the street um, signs, everything, how to respect the road, be cautious. Little bit on on gear as well. Make sure you have a good jacket, helmet, how to wear it, which are the best ones, etc. And additionally, um, you you have to you you have to always have an L plate. I don't know if you've noticed as well. Uh, yeah. Lots of the motorcycles that are on the street delivering food have an L plate because they either have a car driving license with a CBT or a permit uh, driving license and a CBT. If you have a full motorcycle license, you don't need an L plate, and it's it's actually basically the same for is it, is everything it, is else. Is that more costly? Is more costly a different process altogether to, to get that? It is a completely different process. Mm. So you have to do a motorcycle theory. You have to do module one and module two of the motorcycle test, uh, and it'll set you back about five hundred pounds. Wow. Um, and is there any sort of like English language requirement or anything like that? There is no English language requirement, and. And yeah, what I've noticed as well in, in several of, of the delivery kitchens, uh, for example, Deliveroo Editions, or there's several other uh, Deliveroo kitchens in which they communicate a lot in Portuguese uh, w- with the, with lots of the couriers because lots of them speak Portuguese. Right. And I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. They tell you the order and everything in Portuguese. <laughs> If you don't speak Portuguese, <laughs> <laughs> also in English. Okay. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting what you were saying as well. You know about how the earning changes according to the um, seasons as well, and that's definitely something that I've been um, wondering about as well. You know, like are, are couriers or delivery riders are they seeing much different kind of earnings based on whether it's kind of summer or winter or? Definitely. Um, during winter times is, is a big peak and there's much more demand for, for food delivery during those months. And you can see it as well with the openings with the delivery platforms as well. Because right now we get a lot of uh, potential customers that are not in any platform yet and they struggle to get an opening to do the onboarding because there's lower demand so the platforms want to make sure that the riders that are currently working with them have enough jobs and during winter they will start to open up a lot more positions and and cater to the bigger demand so is that kind of a handy piece of advice maybe for people that you know they're not sure if they want to enter the industry but you know they want to get a foot in maybe for later is to kind of consider doing that in the winter Um, definitely definitely Uh, if you so what I would say is there's lots of co- new companies springing up doing parcel deliveries uh, right now. So if you cannot find uh, an opening with Deliveroo, Uber Eats or Stuart, you you should try uh, during the summer, these summer months to find an opening mm-hmm. with a courier company delivering parcels. And then uh, keep on searching for openings during the winter months because they will have. Mm. That's interesting. So it kind of fluctuates, it fluctuates in the same way as private hire does. You know, there was always these peaks and troughs. Uh, even in the, in the black cab trade in January, it was uh, was it kipper season or something like that, mm-hmm. which meant that it was just dead basically after Christmas because everyone's just been hit hard, at, you know, over Christmas time with all the costs of presents and whatnot, and it was just yeah super mm-hmm. quiet and. Uh, yeah, it seems to follow the same kind of pattern as well, which is yeah. interesting, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably something that becomes quite second nature as well over time. Yeah, yeah it's quite fresh, isn't it? It's quite, 
yeah. for the industry. Um, one thing I've been super curious about as well, because it's something we've been talking about in the office quite a bit, is you, you were mentioning, um, for instance, the other day you, you got a you ordered for a delivery, um, you saw that yes. a particular rider was coming and oh, then... Yes, all right, so here's the lowdown, here's the story. <laughs> uh, I ordered a, a, a pizza from Franco Manca, big respect That's to Franco pizza, Manca, yeah. excellent high quality ingredients. If you're listening, I love your pizzas, please, please send some over to us. Um, and I was waiting for the for a person on a bike, not even a, a moped, just a, a simple bike to turn up because it was coming 10 minutes away from Ealing. And uh, I was looking around, no one around, and then some woman just gets out the car you know, I was expecting a certain type of person to do rolling up mm. from, their, from, their, from their profile picture. And in the end, it was some kind of like 50-year-old Portuguese woman. Um, so nothing like what was on the profile in, in a car. And she kind of just like handed me this, this Franco Manca pizza. And I'm like, well, where did you come from? Have you been sitting there for 10 minutes? <laughs> so I guess there is a bit of a, an issue with maybe fake profiles or people lending their accounts to other people. Maybe mm. brothers lending it to each other. If one can't do the shift, the other person just takes over it. Um, have you, is, it, is this something you've found or has this been an issue for you guys? So, not for for us, but we have definitely noticed that and, and I'm a member in lots of Facebook groups and WhatsApp groups mm. and, and you can see people that are offering their account rental. Really? And what they charge? <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't inquired that much, but they say direct message me if you are interested, I'm renting my Deliveroo account or things like that. And this issue is on two sides. Uh, first of all, it's on the vehicle, because also you might say that you're delivering in bicycle and you end up arriving in a moped, uh, which, is, which is an issue. If, they f if you don't have the appropriate insurance and you have an accident, it's going to be a problem. Mm, yeah, I didn't even uh, think about that. So mine was obviously a, stand, a standard bike. Yeah. against someone uh, in a car so exactly. that's a huge difference it's mm -hmm. a huge difference uh, as well as the person one being female one was meant to be male so i don't know mm -hmm. what's going on there exactly yeah. and then the second one is the impersonating of somebody else um and uber eats and deliveroo and Stuart are definitely clamping on mm -hmm. these issues and if they figure out that you are using uh, somebody else's account, they will ban both of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To your right, they should. They and, should yeah. and they are getting more and more strict. Mm -hmm. Now, a problem as well, which I'm not sure if it's true or not, that I see in the Facebook groups is people getting banned without supposedly doing any, any of this. And, and that's worrying because also the service in these uh, platforms, you don't have a phone number that you can call in case you have an issue. So you just have to email, wait for the response uh, yeah. to get your account reactivated if there has been a problem. So, I mean, my recommendation would be not to do it. Yeah. Mm. So, it's, so it's kind of like how private I was before because there was no phone number for Uber or for these uh, operators. It was very, a very frustrating experience if a driver wants to get through to them. Now there is a number. I think they legally have to put this number in thanks to the, getting, uh, the, the appeal of Uber's license and whatnot a few years back in 2017. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's, it might slowly, slowly catch up with the times and there might be a number for them to call, but yeah. yeah. And, and that's not the only fake um, thing that we're seeing in this industry at the moment as well, because um, there was some stories about fake um, restaurants. Yeah, on the BBC, yeah. yeah. The guy yeah. set up a, a fake bar, um, burger, burger yeah, shop. What was all that about? That yeah. was yeah. crazy. How did I get accepted? How I on have, earth did that happen? I have no idea. It was Uber Eats and, and, and basically somebody at their house said that they were a restaurant and they were going to start doing uh, food delivery. They just did the most disgusting burger. And you could, it. it wasn't appealing uh, at all, was it? Not appealing <laughs> at all. They put it in aluminum foil and... and the driver collected it, though. The driver that collected cool. it. That's the gross craziest part. The driver... Courier driver, I don't know what you want to call him, but he collected it, probably looked a bit like, what the hell is going on here? And then drove off to the destination where obviously the BBC, the whole thing was kind of set up for him to, to collect it on the other end. But mm -hmm. it was a guy, for those who haven't seen the video, it was a guy with a, a barbecue stand in his front garden, just literally just making it. There was no shop. It was just a guy in his front garden making a barbecue, rips, wraps it in tinfoil, hands it to the, uh, to the Uber Eats driver, who then kind of takes it, puts it in his bag and, and whizzes mm -hmm. off to the to destination. So Absolutely was the barbecue great. guy actually trying to make some money? Or was no, it was just a BBC reporter. Oh, he was yeah, just trying yeah, to show yeah. the... it. It was all set up from the BBC to see oh. if this actually worked and it actually, according to them, did. So that's, uh, that's uh, pretty, ah. pretty mad. So I guess there's a lot of trust issues going on right now. Maybe it's because it's quite a new industry and it's starting to blossom. Um, maybe 
the, the app companies kind of either cutting corners or not, or not doing things as, as well as they should. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think they're all in a race to put as many restaurants as they can. Yeah. yeah. And in the process, lots go through the filters Except that the yeah. probably shouldn't yeah. be on the platform. And yeah, there, sh- there has to be a minimum yeah. uh, that guarantees the food quality because mm-hmm. if not, they, they will run into a lot of issues. Yeah. And you know what? I'm, I've always been skeptical about these reviews on, on these sites as well. Um, you know, like, because on top of whether or not, you know, they're accurate or not, because you always hear stories about people like they paid a tenner, restaurants paying a tenner to people to like give fake reviews or whatever. Um, but on top of that, I never know if the person that, you know, is leaving that review has the same taste as me, you know, yeah, like, true. are they complaining because the food came five minutes late? That's, that's not an issue for me, you know, that kind of thing. Well, similarly, there was a very interesting article on in Vice of the best restaurant in London and TripAdvisor. Mm-hmm. The, sh- the Shed of Dulwich. The Shed of Dulwich. <laughs> yeah. Being completely fake. Oh, really? Uh, so the, and, it was and exactly he got the to, same um, issue. He got to number one on TripAdvisor um, with a fake restaurant, basically. Wow. just Just getting people to pay up reviews. That's um, incredible. All, you all the pictures, like, was it fake logo. pictures? Stock images? Or what it was, was disgusting. It? It, was a, it was his foot. It was... Uh, <laughs> But he made it look amazing. He made it look great. His his foot looked like um ham hock. <laughs> it was amazing. Like, yeah, it was good. He um he put like a you know those toilet cakes that you get in urinals. He put one of them on a plate and he said it was like salmon pate or something. <laughs> People were laughing. Yeah, but it's it's all of these things that I mean, uh, thanks to the internet, we cannot vet them, and you have to kind of trust what somebody else says. But you. Sh- cannot trust everything you read on the internet mm. um, but yeah that, I, I mean going back to the platforms they have to be careful on which restaurants they, they accept because they have to be minimum quality well I read somewhere that actually some of the best performing restaurants actually have quite a lo- low safety rating uh, they, 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 they do a lot of orders and they're really popular on the app might ha- even have a really high star rating for you as a, as a, as a customer to read and, and review in terms of food safety they have some of the worst food safety records like super low mm. but they just happen to sell lots of food because it t- it's, it's tasty but their kitchen wherever it is in London might be in a really bad way mm. yeah and, and and with the dark kitchens which is let's say you might order from Franco Manca and you're expecting Franco Manca to be from the restaurant but mm. it's actually in a kitchen that just does deliveries. Is this, is this the dark kitchen uh, yeah. situation? Yeah. yeah. Do, do you want to explain a little bit about that and how it works for the riders and the drivers? Yeah, so it's it's interesting because so Deliveroo has their own that are called Deliveroo Editions and there are a couple of other brands. Um, one of them as well has been invested by the CEO of Uber. Uh, mm-hmm. Travis Kalanick has invested a lot of money, uh, the ex-CEO of Uber, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, has invested a lot of money into it and what they do is they have kitchens fully kitted out and they give lower rentals than a retail that has food traffic and there's no tables no anything they have the chefs from the restaurant come over probably have the same ingredients same everything and they just do food for deliveries and if you are a courier you will see where the restaurant is and you actually get to this basically massive kitchen that has mm. in the same place a mm. uh, Chipotle, a uh, Franco Manca, a uh, oh. Burger King. It's I mean, the dream. So I'm just yeah. imagining <laughs> one, I'm kind of imagining like one corner is, mm-hmm. yeah, Franco Manca, one's McDonald's or whatever, and just like each, you know, just their own little kind of closed off, or is it open? Is it open? I don't know, you tell me. So it's, it's a big building all closed off, and as a delivery rider, you just get to the lobby, and they tell you order number 67 is coming out, and you go and get it, and it could be from whatever restaurant that's in the whole building. So, I mean, what, what, what's the issue with that? Because when I hear that, um, it literally sounds like my dream. No, <laughs> there's, there's no issue with it, actually. I think it's great. Oh. And, and, and it allows restaurants to, to be able to lower their costs mm. and, and basically promote more food deliveries. And that's, that's how they're able to, to, to justify, let's say, maintaining their prices uh, and, and being able to cater to all of the people that are sitting down at the restaurant at the prime mm-hmm. location and also deliveries to everybody at their homes. Right. But even like now related to this, the locations of these dark kitchens are not the best 
And um, if you are in a bicycle, you are going to get tired to get to the dark kitchen and onto the restaurant. Mm. And also, if you're in a noisy moped, lots of the dark kitchens have been getting many issues with the people that are living around them. Noise complaints. Because there's lots of riders going in and out with very loud mopeds. Mm. And And this is where electric comes in, I assume. Exactly. And that's that's where where I think we play also a, a, a very positive thing because our mopeds are... Are, are actually not completely silent, uh, which we think is a positive because they can hear you coming, yeah. but they're not as loud as a combustion engine uh, yeah. moment. And better um, for the environment, and yeah, you know, exactly. less pollution. And it's actually a, a law now, even for, for PCO drivers, that their electric vehicle has to make a particular amount of sound as well. So, so it's probably good that it's not completely silent, I guess. Um, exactly. Does that make any issues with kind of pickups? Like... Will loads of um, riders just sort of congregate around this dark kitchen and then certain people getting jobs and other people still kind of waiting in queue or something? Not not really. I mean, uh, because you might... It, it depends on what system you go with because you can, you can work with the platforms on a per-drop uh, basis or you can also work on shifts. A lot of people, what they do is they book shifts uh, with the platforms and it guarantees you a minimum but you have to stay within a certain area and then you have to do the jobs uh, of the shift so this is how they they you the two modalities on how you can work with them okay i want to ask about um for those private hire drivers who are interested in knowing how big this market is let's say compared to private hire uh, obviously we know there's about forty thousand uber drivers possibly about 100 to 120 pco drivers overall many of them who probably have, and that includes those who are active and maybe not so active. And about 90,000 PCO cars, I believe it is. Last time I looked, that could, that could be a slightly wrong figure. Do you know how many possible Deliveroo slash Uber Eats drivers there are out there or how big the industry is in general, just to give these guys a scope of what they're dealing with or what they could possibly be doing going forward? Yeah, the numbers are really hard to get because you can you know the Deliveroo number and we know that it's 15,000 couriers that work with Deliveroo in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. We know that there are about 9,000 uh, Uber Eats uh, riders. Yeah. And about, I think, 5,000, 6,000 of steward uh, riders. Mm. The question is, w- how many of them are overlapped in between them? Yeah, good question. Is something that's very difficult to define. We estimate that there must be about... 25,000, uh, 30,000 couriers um, around the UK, the majority of them within uh, London. And and it, it's it's a growing market. It's growing really quickly. And I think the, the type of jobs as well are, are, are changing very quickly. And mm-hmm. something on, on the type of job that I would like to also talk about is how different the riding patterns are from people that are working within central London and on the outskirts of London. Okay. And it's something that we, we've noticed now. Um, because in, in central London, there's lots of very short trips. And if you go more outside London, there's longer trips. And in these longer trips as well, uh, it's also important to have a slightly faster vehicle. Mm-hmm. Because Do they get paid the same? Or is it per mile? Or does that... Does the algorithm work out, or is it a case-by-case basis? I think it's on a case-by-case basis. Um, But in average, you should be paid similar if you work in, in, well, actually a little bit higher in central London, I Mm. guess. Delivery claim the average earnings for couriers are around £12 per hour. That's the stat I have. Does that sound about right to you? I think it's a little bit lower than that, but yeah, it's it's around that. Mm. 10 or 12 per hour. So, I mean, for, for a driver as well, what, at the moment, and I suppose from your perspective as well, what, what is the differentiation between these different companies? Like, as a rider, is all you're worried about um, which company is going to give you the most jobs? Um, or is there some kind of perks that come with each company? Or, I don't know. I guess there's, there's different things, yeah, but uh, the main thing is how much you're earning and... How much? How how many jobs you have? Um, I hear really good things about Stuart, which is actually one of the smaller players, uh, but several of our of our riders really like them. And 
and yeah, uh, they they all switch between all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very similar to how a driver might go from captain, switch to Bolt, switch mm-hmm. to Uber on a night out. Yeah. Uh, there is a huge overlap there. We know that for sure. I've mm-hmm. spoken to several thousand drivers over the last couple of years. So it's mm-hmm. interesting to see that the same thing is kind of happening in that market, which does make it very hard to get the right figures because, you know, you might have X amount of Uber Eats, X amount of Deliveroo, but yeah. 90% of them could be the same person just just working for both. Yeah. Um, I was actually really surprised to see that... Um, Justy is killing it here. He has, um, some, he has some interesting yeah, stats about I think that. I right? saw that Justy was was far and away the, the biggest yeah, um, company that. here in the UK. Yeah, it was. Um, they they have something like a eighty percent of the market share. Was it? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because yeah, Just Eat is very big around the UK, not so much in in London. Really, yeah, okay. and that's that's something. For example, that. I've been discussing with Uber Eats and Deliveroo. They're going to try to attack the smaller cities and going head on with Just Eat. And I, I was in a in a in an event with the CEO of Deliveroo, Will Shu, that they raised a massive round uh, recently. I think it was Series G, at like 500 million uh, US dollars, and a lot of it was for expansion into smaller uh, markets but um, I'm not sure what's what's going to happen with with Just Eat and and Mm -hmm. how this massive marketing budgets that both Uber Eats and Deliveroo have will will affect them well and also because I think it's kind of um, so I'm a member of quite a few of these groups um, for Deliveroo riders and Just Eat riders um, and I see a lot of people complaining um, specifically about Just Eat that um, if they're not in a very close proximity to where they're operating in that city, they basically can't um, get the, the allowance from Just Eat basically to work in that area, even though they're willing to go from outside of town into town and then do the jobs, Just Eat won't allow it. Um, have you heard about that? Or? Yeah, and, and the, where it gets even more complicated is that just Eat relies a lot on external providers. So, for example, Stuart is one of the main suppliers of Just Eat, and mm-hmm. Just Eat has kind of recently started to have their own uh, platform for delivery guys. And for that reason, I think they are going through a lot of bugs and lots of uh, learning process, because before they were more of an aggregator of having the suppliers of the restaurants, the delivery teams and they were more of a just an internet platform connecting everybody mm-hmm. now that they've started with uh, their own delivery team um, I think they're running into several issues but uh, we'll see I mean I, I I think this market is so actually this is the largest market in the world on, on deliveries mm-hmm. and and I think that they there's enough space for all of them. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know what the, uh, who would be the biggest in London, specifically? Biggest in London is Deliveroo. Deliveroo, yeah. Is that by some, some margin? Do you have any stats for that? Or I just don't have any stats, uh, but I, I do think there's the Deliveroo. biggest one. Mm. Has, has the um, subscription model changed any kind of like earnings for um, riders? I, I am a Deliveroo on the Deliveroo um, monthly they, subscription. Oh, really? How much do you pay? £12 a month. How much does that actually get you? Uh, so free deliveries. Um, for that month so basically you just have to work out if you're getting enough deliveries so you've got to get what four something like four that or four or five, or five yeah but no minimum if I'm correct so oh really like four, four pound or keep whatever. it sticky just yeah. do it yeah but this is something we discussed in previous episodes regarding you know when we chatted to Captain and uh, Via Van about subscription models and that's the kind of route that some of them might take going forward to try and keep customers sticky and retain them to just one app rather than just like whatever app gets me home quickest and that could be maybe the case Mm-hmm. It you is know, really interesting. Business. That and 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 in the event that I attended with uh, Deliveroo CEO, that was a question that they asked him, and it's it, I think it's on several ways because number one, definitely the stickiness and and for example, you ish might ha- have ordered before from Uber Eats or Just Eat, depending on 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 whatever you wanted but now that you are paying your subscription you want to make the most out of your subscription so you're going to stick with Deliveroo yeah but every now and again every now and again uh, Uber Eats offers me a nice discount code and I take it yeah Um, but already twice 
Yeah, but already oh, three pound fifty—that's that's, that's um, Uber Eats general like delivery price was was always a bit too much for me, anyways. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, for sure. I, I do. It is my first port of call to go. To but delivery. so, does this affect the riders in any way? I don't think so. And they asked the deliver. This question was asked to the delivery CEO, and they were asking him if this made an an impact to Deliveroo as a business. And he said that it was more of a hedging than actually changing drastically the income of the company. Because the heavy order, people that are ordering heavily are basically profiting from the subscription. Mm. But the people that are ordering less, they are making a profit from them by just charging a subscription. So it's yeah. it's an interesting yeah. question. And then, get, right? and then you get uh, people like Tom, who does all our camera and uh, audio and everything like that, just <laughs> a shout out, who orders delivery almost every weekend and still isn't a subscriber. So. He's shaking his head uh, <laughs> for those who are <laughs> Exactly. Um, but but I, I do think the subscription idea is great for these platforms uh, because they will have people like ish more sticky yeah and ultimately i guess also the, the delivery driver wants to work for a company i think they'd, they'd rather work for one than have to keep on switching right and i think the idea is if they can find one that constantly gives them work or ha happy days for everybody exactly. they're getting constant stream of work the customer has uh, got a nice subscription model with some which some extra benefits it saves the stress of the delivery driver having to constantly switch between each one seeing which one's given the jobs and Hmm. Yeah, just an easier shift, right? That's I mean, that's how I see it. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe I'm wrong, but I feel I feel like, I feel like that's the case. Definitely, definitely, mm -hmm. definitely. Okay, well, there's one thing I think Ish was looking at some interesting reasons to, as to why, and this is maybe the, the way to kind of finish off the show is to see why someone would want to be a delivery driver. And what's what we found interesting is that some of them really overlap with the private hire industry and reasons why they might become a private hire driver or a PCO driver, whatever, whatever you feel like calling it. So uh, Ish, I'll let you take it away. Um, yeah, uh, no, I mean, so this was just um, before the, the final game, which oh, I thought we could run game. out, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it was basically just some of the reasonings behind why people became um, Uber uh, Eats or Deliveroo or even Just Eat um, drivers in the first place. Um, but actually, I was kind of curious um, to see with you as well, you know, because obviously you're dealing with riders on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, for you to kind of tell us, without looking at that, because that's for the game, oh, right. uh, <laughs> what kind of reasons you think would come in the top 10 um, of why people choose this profession? I mean, I think the number one is flexibility. Yeah, uh, 55%. You work when, whenever you want. Um, there's literally no boss. And I think another one, which, which by the way, I would say is very similar to private. Hire. Oh yeah, that, I'd say that's number one by a, a, a long shot. You know, they they like the idea of being able to work when and, and what shifts and what hours and uh, making that work around their lifestyle and whether they have kids and need to drop off you know people at work and whatnot. I think also uh, one that differentiates uh, from private hire cars um, is you don't have to deal a lot with people. Mm. And just get on with it. You you don't have the situation of people getting on uh, into your car, chatting, uh, ha having I don't know a drunk guy into into your car, etc. And you're having to deal with this or lots of changing things. This is you pick it up from the restaurant on a very systematic way and drop it off mm. at a flat in a very orderly way. Minimal interaction, basically. Minimal interaction and. It should be without problems. Of course, you will run into problems every once in a while, mm -hmm. uh, but generally, it, I, I think they, they, you run with less issues than a private hire car. Right? Okay, interesting. Um, um, one of the ones I saw actually that I thought was interesting was actually the second quote, um, highest quoted reason was that they enjoy bike riding. Yeah, <laughs> I, I also think that's that's another one, um, and. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and I would say that from there, kind of a lot of the top ones just kind of come around this idea of income, earning. Um, there's a high earning potential, especially for people that you know seem to want to take on more than one job at, at a time. You know, and I suppose that kind of feeds into the flexibility aspect. Um, but especially if you're someone who, you know, you're a freelancer, 
or you're, you've got a bunch of kind of other gigs going on at the same time, um, this definitely seems to be attractive. Um, and also I saw something like 21% of drivers are full-time students as well. Um, of delivery couriers or something like that. Yeah, this, I'm going to have to say, it's a bit um, skewed. Okay. Because, yes, lots are students, but there's a high percentage as well of those students that, from my experience, are either people that are coming from abroad and they get a student visa and they are able to work with a student visa with these mm. uh, platforms and and therefore they might not be so actively enrolled in their studies or they might be even it's a bit, um, of, a loophole, a bit of a loophole then i guess it's a bit of a loophole mm. yeah interesting loophole. so actually, they're here for a couple of years they pay a, a very cheap uh, program at, and they get a visa to mm. study here and then they just keep on working right um we actually also we were chatting a while back um, in the auto scooter office about um, one of your riders, uh, Pui Pui, right? Correct. Um, did you ever hear about Pui Pui? I've heard, I've heard, okay. but I'd love Alberta to uh, explain it and, and let, no, let so, the listeners know all about her. So, yeah, I, I, I was surprised because she, the, uh, she's, she was our first female customer and she came over to the office to, she was previously renting from another electric moped competitor and she decided to come with us because uh, our moped is faster, it has removable batteries, and and she really liked the package that that we give with it and, and the cameras and everything. So she decided to to finish her, her contract with a competitor and come over with us. And she was telling me she's a student and I was expecting her to not do so many kilometers. So she has done she does a lot of kilometers. She's been working really hard, and and she's loving it. Mm. Um, she's blowing the competition away as well, isn't yeah. she? She is blowing the competition away, uh, <laughs> definitely, and doing over 120 kilometers per day wow. um, on a moped. And yeah, actually, she she is coming tomorrow to the office because she wants to get fitted a hippo box which is a big fiberglass uh, box that I'm helping her install in in, in the moped for, for parts of deliveries that are bigger like mm. delivering clothes and things like that mm. as well as food and I mean she's she's working a lot and loving it. Yeah, it's really nice to hear that kind it's a good of story. story. And just like you were saying before you know that this delivery industry is not just about food, is it? That's the whole point. It's actually growing into other areas. It's more B2, also B2B as well. It could be delivering any household item. I think there was rumors about, so, uh, I'm not sure if it was Just Eat or Deliveroo linking up with Amazon. Was it something like that? Exactly. So Deliveroo received uh, the investment that I was telling you about of 500 million came from Amazon. Uh, mm-hmm. And Amazon had their own uh, food delivery that they stopped. And I think the in the near future delivery will be delivering uh, any type of parcel because if you think about it if you need a replacement of your gillette uh, shaving mm. uh, you it's a small box that comes delivered in a big dhl yeah. uh, van do you really need that they want to make it more efficient exactly and maybe delivery drivers doing their job is the exactly. way to get there mm. so yeah so yeah it's, yeah it's super interesting to see uh, to see where it's where it's going to go yeah. yeah exactly very interesting um, I, I suppose like just the kind of final question I had about um, auto scooter as well, just to know, because obviously vehicle requirements has just been a huge issue in um, the PCO game as well. We've been seeing that a lot, right? Um, how was it kind of setting up this business with electric scooters? Um, did you find any kind of regulatory hurdles, kind of any difficulties to enter the space? Or? So I, I think uh, regulatory, not that many... Uh, hurdles i think the biggest hurdle comes from the customers themselves in the first issue that you also see with cars is the range anxiety and they they think if i run out of batteries what do i do is this really going to be enough uh, for me to work with i think my recommendation is come over and test it you realize that First of all, you have to be very aware of, of how much range you have available and and plan your, your day accordingly. But you will be able to do it and 
forget about paying petrol. Um, and, and the possibility that we have of having extra batteries really does give you unlimited mileage, basically, mm-hmm. because you can keep on swapping and swapping as long as you're close to a swapping station. Mm-hmm. Also, in the, in the future, what I would like is to have swapping stations around London uh, that would enable our customers to, if you're close to one, just go there, leave the batteries, take another one. Yeah, make it as convenient as possible for the for the drivers, right? Exactly. Should cool. we head to the to the, the final part? Yeah. So last week we you had. You look scared. Um, yeah, I look scared. You look scared. No, 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 no. no. It's, <laughs> I all, am it's all fun. It's all love. Um, last week oh, we nice. had uh, on the fence, uh, which if you haven't uh, seen it, it's a must watch. You gotta go back and check out that episode. Um, this week we were gonna do dish dash. All right. Cue the music for Dish Dash. Yeah. Dish Dash. There we go. With Ish and Rich <laughs> and Al- Alberto. <laughs> so basically, um, what I was thinking was just to throw at you guys the city. Oh, by um, this as well? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Of course. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I thought this was all going up. All right. You throw me off guard. I throw you guys the city. Oh, I'm nervous. And you guys tell me what you think is the most ordered dish in that city. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. I like this. I like, I like this is going. Okay. 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 We start with one uh, close to home. Uh, London. Uh, curry. Pizza. It is the cheeseburger. Cheeseburger? Yeah, from really? Five Guys. <laughs> Makes sense. I am already I'm, I'm, I'm surprised by that. Um, this yeah. is just delivery, by the way, I should Just mention. delivery. Okay, we're still, yeah. we're still okay. That's, that's good enough. Uh, what about Paris? <sighs> Snails. <laughs> no. Shawarma. Uh, <laughs> A shawarma. Yeah, you know what? Some kind of kebab dish. Pad Thai. <laughs> Yeah, I was not expecting that either. Zero out of two yeah. so far. Come on, yeah, you guys are doing really well. Dubai. Oh my <laughs> god, Dubai. I've been to Dubai. I think you guys are going to get like a ticking one. clock as a as background music to this as well. Talk. Yeah, <laughs> TikTok. Yeah, Dubai. You guys, I think you guys are going to get this one. I don't think I have at all. Yeah. Staring into each other's eyes. Yeah, it's well. really obvious when you think about it. I would say yeah. pizza again. Okay, pizza. Hamburgers. Right, sushi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, no, you guys are definitely going to get the next one. I said that last okay, time. okay. Dublin. Dublin. Come on, it's obvious, guys. Dublin. This one's obvious. Guinness? No, okay. Come on, yeah. Uh, what do people in Dublin eat? I don't That's, know. You know? Curry? <laughs> Curry, yeah, the, the whole world is eating curry, according to well, you guys. I mean, it's the most. I thought it was the most popular takeout dish it in the UK. It is a popular yeah, dish. The, yeah. Um, yeah, that is actually quite interesting because I thought curry would have been more popular in London as well. Yeah, no. maybe. I, oh, maybe our habits have changed a little bit. No. I'm, I'm, st- I'm sticking with curry, even though okay. I know it's absolutely wrong. Curry. I have You're stunned no him into idea. silence. Um. Well, press your time. Come on, Alberto. <laughs> right. Come on, you got this. Lebanese. Right. Uh, it, it was really obvious, guys. The burrito, obviously. Why is that obvious? That's what people in Dublin are eating, right? That's not obvious at all. <laughs> um, Making us all like fools. <laughs> yeah. And these are quite hard. Um, burrito in Dublin. Barcelona. I'll just give you two more after this. Barcelona. Barcelona. Um, I'm going to go for sushi, actually. Okay. I like it. You seem like you're really, really inspired by this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going for sushi. Yeah. Are, are you going to go sushi? It's so, so obviously not right that it might be right. <laughs> <laughs> I've one thing. You guys are thinking the right way now. Right, so it's not sushi, but it's something not yeah. clearly yeah. Mediterranean. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's. Oh, so you're from Spain, right? No, I'm from oh. Costa Rica. Oh, you're yeah, from Costa Rica. Oh, yeah, so Ish, mate. Mate. <laughs> But I do speak Spanish. Yeah, Yeah, you do. Uh, So, you know, what would you order on, like, an average day in Costa Rica, you know? What would I order? uh, I usually order pizza, to be honest. Well, you'd be wrong. It's the burrito again. I was going to say burrito, (laughs) but it 
it was too Guys, obvious. I'm having so much fun. You have no idea. Um, Put us out of misery. Come on. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you the final one. Final one, yeah. Okay. This one, I, I really, one. really Zero think that you guys could get this one. I, don't, I have no confidence in us whatsoever. Brighton. Brighton. Oh, Come on, fish, fish, and chips, fish, yeah. and chips, yeah. fish and chips. Fish and chips. No, no, no I, was, I was verifying that that was your order. Oh, Are right. saying oh. fish and chips? You can change it. Well, now you've made us think that it could possibly be something else. Hey, I think it's something I else. Know. I don't know. You know, I'll fish stick with and fish and chips, chips just as a backup option. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, go I with something else. I've been to Brighton many a time. Yeah. I'm going to say it's also a, keep in mind, you know, a if cheeseburger. Similar to London. Cheeseburger? Yeah. Cheeseburger. Yeah. Interesting. It's actually two hot wings from KFC. <laughs> <sighs> we failed. Yeah, we, we failed, failed drastically. <laughs> well, thanks, Lady. <laughs> I like the, it was a good idea. Yeah. Good idea. We got absolutely none of them right. Um, that's yeah. interesting. It's interesting yeah, to know no, that different. You know, I like thought that was very, very interesting because I, I didn't get any of them right either, uh, I must say. I really thought London would be curry. Really, yeah. What was London again? It was cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. I think maybe it could be that people are ordering things that they don't typically would think that they can make at home or maybe that they don't associate with kind of home kick cooking mm. or something like that. So maybe they go for the different options. So you've thrown us off, basically. You've thrown a curveball <laughs> in there because I'm pretty sure curry is uh, <laughs> the number one dish in the UK. Yeah, no, curry was voted the number one well, dish right, in the UK. But, you know. I'll get half point for that one, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Okay, well, that guys, thank you for that competition. <laughs> Uh, Ish won't be coming on any future podcasts. <laughs> Great. Uh, breaking news. Oh, it will get easier, <laughs> I promise. Alberto, thank you so much for coming on and giving us some insights into this new industry and obviously to Otto Scooter as well. Um, if someone is interested in joining Otto Scooter or if they have a family member or a friend who would like to get an electric moped from you guys, how exactly would they do that? You want to give a quick, a quick cheeky spiel as to how So just log into autoscooter.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Um, Fill in your information. We will give you a call and set it up. Set up a test drive. Awesome. Yeah. Simple as that. Lovely job, Lee. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, I think that wraps up this episode. I'm not sure what next week's one is at the moment. Um, we have a couple of ideas, yeah. but we'll, you'll find out in due course. Whatever it is, I think we should include another game. I'm just Definitely saying. not another game. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys. So, so until next time, stay safe on the road, and all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Oh,